Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 411 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by former heavyweight world title challenger, my counterpart himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good. How about you, sir? Always good when speaking with you, sir. Always good when speaking with you. Um, we're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here last Friday, August 25th at the Overtime Elite Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, USA. It was um, a big upset, actually. The undefeated prospect, Lorenzo Simpson from Baltimore, now 13-1. and He lost a majority decision over eight rounds to Vladimir Hernandez, who's now 14-5. and That's a humongous upset there. Um... Like I say, Lorenzo Simpson was being, you know, touted for big things and I guess tipped for big things is probably the the, the better word in there. But yeah, that's a real spanner in the works there because Vladimir Hernandez, like I said on last week's show, he's, he's probably better than his record suggests. He's only really lost in tough in tough fights, you know, against good, good, top-quality fighters. But, yeah, Lorenzo Simpson would, wasn't good enough on the night. So, like I say, 13-1, and one, that's a big setback for him. Moving now, though, to the Stadion Rocklaw in Rocklaw, Poland. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. It was live on TNT Sports Pay-Per-View. It was live on ESPN+. Plus. Let's start with the undercard just briefly. I'm really going to be brief on this one. Um, Adam Hamed, he's now 1-0, the son of Prince Nassim. Hamed, a first-round TKO against a guy called Wojtek Hredi, who's now 1-3. Um, yeah, pro debut there for Hamed. Um, also on the card, Daniel Lapine. He moved to 8-0, and a TKO for him in round 6 against Arrow Schwartz, who's usually quite durable. And Lapine isn't really a big puncher. It's, it's rare for him to get a stoppage victory, but he got it here. Like I say, round 6 for the vacant IBO Continental Light Heavyweight title. Lapine, like I say, 8-0. and Arrow Schwartz now 20-7 and with a draw. Um, good win there for Lapin, to be honest with you. Moving now to this one as well that went down on the undercard, uh, Dmitro Mitrofanov. He's now 13-1 and with a draw. He was TKO'd in just the second round by Hamza Shiraz of the UK, now 18-0. and He's put together a real string of knockout victories as well, Hamza Shiraz. Very, very happy for him. Um, it was a good fight, really, on paper, these two, especially as Mitrofanov was with Alex Krasuk. So, um... You know, that's, that's yeah, he's with K2 kind of thing, with U6 guys. So to 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 be, I guess, Hamza boxing away from home on this card here in the away corner, he, he's, he's yeah, he was up for the occasion and he's picked up a fantastic win on the road there. Um, he had Mitrofanov down three times, if I'm not 
getting that wrong. It was for the WBC silver middleweight title. Hamza Shiraz, like I say, um, unstoppable at the moment. And I cannot wait to see his next few fights. I know they're talking about him against Denzel Bentley. I think that's a fantastic fight if we do see it. Also on the card as well, Dennis Berenchik now 18-0. A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Anthony Yidget. I called this one. I didn't think he would stop Yidget. Yidget is tough and I said he'd only been stopped, I think, in the second half of all the fights that he'd been in. Um, and lost, and I thought he was going to be able to tough it out. He showed me a few things against Keyshawn Davis. He's a tough guy. He was cut like he always is, and yeah, that didn't deter him. He didn't look for a way out, and he fought with his heart on his sleeve, as he always does. Um, Dennis Brenchik, like I say, 18-0. and Good win, really. I think it was one of the best wins on his actual resume, to be honest. So that's a good name for him for the WBO International Lightweight title. Yijit now 27-4 and with a draw. Really sad situation afterwards where he said he had this bad cut and he, he went to the doctors in the, in the venue, Eddie. I don't think you'd have seen this, but I'm not going to stop and talk about it because it's going to just drag on. But basically, Anthony Yijit from Sweden, boxed in the US a couple of times, um, suffered a cut and then after the fight went to the doctors and said right I'm going to need this cut stitched up and they said to him well we don't have the equipment here to stitch you up we've just got an ambulance basically so you're going to need to go to the hospital so he said okay let's go and they went no 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 we're not going to take you to the hospital. We need to stay here just in case a severe injury occurs. And then we need to use the ambulance to get someone to hospital real quick. So he was like, wait, so you mean to say I've just fought on this card, K2 Promotions, a Usyk undercard. I've just I've just put my life on the line in that ring for 12 rounds. I was cut and now I'm having to get myself to the hospital. And he just was like, what the hell? You're supposed to be looking out for the fighters. So basically, after a bit of an argument, they took him to the hospital and then apparently just dumped him there. So he was stitched up, he come outside the hospital, and he made a video right outside the doors of the hospital. There was no car for him or anything. I think he probably had to get an Uber back to the fight hotel. It's just, it was real mistreatment at its finest there. But yeah, sick things, and we don't like, I know it. things like this annoy you, Eddie, actually, because, um, you know fighters being mistreated is nothing new oh you've unpaused make it make it make it brief eddie go on yeah yeah it's just you know it's 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 why you gotta have a good team around you you know what i mean because it's you know these guys they don't they don't they take you for granted you know what i mean generally promoters you know um, um you know they they're just trying to get the next act on with no with no trouble and everything going you know the way it's supposed to go and if one of the fighters are hurt yeah it is what it is kind of thing you know what i mean and it's just you know it, it it just goes to prove man that we gotta we gotta band together you know what i mean we gotta look out for each other because uh you know the, the other side isn't yeah well said eddie stating facts again and he did actually say imagine if my cut was as bad as like a badu jack cut and yeah, I make him right. I mean, it was disgusting. But anyway, moving to the main event, Alexander Usyk now 21-0, that perfect record intact. Anthony, I don't know why I was going to say Anthony Joshua. Daniel Dubois in the other corner now 19-2. and um, He suffers his second stoppage loss late on in a fight again. It was for the IBF, IBO, WBA, Super and WBO World Heavyweight titles. Um going to give a brief rundown just a really brief rundown through the through the rounds um round one i gave to you sick 
um, he was on the front foot, which I thought was a little bit surprising because I felt, as I said last week, Dubois needed to start fast. He he couldn't afford to let Usyk get in a rhythm. Um, but yeah, Usyk was on the front foot. Dubois was actually the guy kind of backing up already. Usyk's lead hand was just full of feints, though, you know, com- complete, uh, you know, confusion on the face of Daniel Dubois. Usyk, like I say, got the better of the jabs between both men. That was really what the first round was all about, a battle of the jabs. He got the better of that. Dubois was struggling as well to measure the distance well. Um, Usyk definitely won the respect as well in that round, I think, if there was a battle of respect. Round two, a slightly better round for Dubois, but still a Usyk round for me. Um, Dubois, I felt, got momentarily staggered, actually, with a short, sharp left hand from Usyk. I think Dubois was struggling as well with the hand speed and the foot speed of Usyk at times. Round three, another round for Usyk. Dubois just really struggling to put his shots together. He was being outworked, outlanded, outsmarted, and outmanned a bit, to be honest with you. He was letting he was letting the fight slip away, I felt. Um, there was a lack of head movement, which obviously isn't a surprise if you've watched Dubois before. But I was worried that, you know, at that point, is he going to keep getting hit in the same spot and maybe end up getting cut or, you know, suffering some bad swelling to his eye like we've seen before with Joe Joyce? Um, Thankfully, that didn't happen. Round four, Dubois with a much better round. You probably could have actually given him that round, round four. Dubois finally started to let his hands go. Nothing landed too clean. There was a lot of grazing shots, but yeah, just like, just literally missing by an inch and things like that. I think they were reminders for Usyk that he needed to respect Dubois because if nothing else, the guy can certainly bang. And he hadn't really had that respect for him, I don't think, in previous rounds. Round five, Dubois with that monster body shot or if, if uh, that might be controversial in itself that monster shot somewhere around the body down goes Usyk obviously the referee ruled it low and Usyk took the whole five minutes the replay showed it might have been a fair shot initially and then we see some other um, some other angles that looked like it was maybe low um, there's been mixed opinions coming out from all types of fighters from retired guys like Carl Frampton saying it was a fair shot to people like Barry Jones saying it was it was it was an unfair shot lots and lots of people have had their their opinion about it um on the night there was a lot of people saying it was a fair shot I think since then a lot of people are now kind of I can hear a lot of people saying it's 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 an unfair shot um but yeah um it was a mad round because when you sit kind of you know, carried on fighting five minutes later, it seemed to kind of, I don't know, it, it seemed to wake him up because he, he actually closed that round really strong. Round six was a crazy round. Um, again, I think Dubois had a case of winning it, so I might have given him two rounds there um, in the first six rounds. And then, yeah, obviously, from that point onwards, he dominated. He won round seven. In round eight, he puts Dubois down. I think it was a temple shot. Um, it was one of the last shots that around. He didn't really get to, you know, to uh, follow up on it. But he had him down there. It was a bit of a weird one. Then round nine, obviously, down and out. Dubois stayed on his knees for the count. And, yeah, finally, in the end, Gusick got there. Round nine, like I said on last week's show, I keep banging on about it. I sound like a broken record. Gusick has gone even longer without getting a stoppage in the first six rounds of a fight. A lot of people felt it was going to go late. I thought it could go the distance, but if if there was going to be a stoppage, it was going to be late on. Jake Paul actually called round nine, and yeah, round nine it was. Um, Yeah, a lot of people actually thought round nine. Um, 
I don't want to spend too much time on it, Eddie. I'm a little bit conscious of the time. Um, what I will say is it was pretty much as I expected. I think Dubois maybe won a couple of rounds generously on my card. I don't think it really made a difference. Um, Usyk did what I expected him to do, dominate the fight for large parts of it and then either stop him late or get the points win he stopped him late um, I didn't really learn anything about Usyk or Dubois like I say it went pretty much how I thought it would go the only talking point is that low blow or maybe you thought it was fair I wanted to get your opinion because my opinion is worthless I want to say it's worthless Joe but um I think, you know, it, initially I said, oh, I don't know. And then I said low because it, and I think it, it could be considered fair or low. It's on, it literally is on the bell line. The way the shot came up, what it did was it lifted the cup, which created that same sensation of getting hit low. So even though it might've been a little close to the belt line, the shot still had an effect. I don't know how much of an effect, obviously you should went down. But I guarantee you this, if they started to count, he's getting up. You know what I'm saying? He's not just going to stay down and lay and take that and take that uh, five minutes. He knew he had the time because the ref didn't call it. So he stayed down and tried to get himself back together. Because believe me, if it was the chance of him losing, he's getting right up off that canvas and just going to have to find a way to deal with it. But I think he was hurt by it, um, whether it was to the body or to the nuts. I don't know for sure which one, but it just looked like the trajectory of the way the shot landed could have uh, caused it to, you know, straight, it was a little low, maybe right at the belt line, right at the bottom of the belt line, but, you know, it's hard to make. And it was kind of, it kind of, kind of was a quick bang, bang kind of thing. Ref gave it a, a, you know, a low. So, you know, gave him a chance to recover. But like you said, he came right out strong again and, and took back over. I guess he realized, look, man, I can't keep letting this guy hang around. He might mess around to catch me with something, get me out of here. And as always, there was always a possibility of that. However, the fight itself, I think uh, it went exactly how I expected. I, even with my man Bash here in the corner helping out, giving him a few things, he tried to feint, he tried to do some things with the jab, he tried to be more unpredictable. But you can't just make these adjustments over a course of one camp is really, really difficult. So um, he ended up being himself and pretty basic, which is exactly what I said. Everything, you know, on, on, on one uh, cadence kind of, it's kind of easy to pick it apart. That's why a lot of those shots that he was throwing were coming close and, you know, maybe grazing, but nothing really of any major consequence landed besides the body shot uh, or the low blow. So, yeah. It was what I expected. I knew it was going to be very difficult for him to, you know, do what he had to do. I knew if he was going to come out, which is like I said about Anthony Joshua, he had to come out and immediately boss it from early on. And he just and he just couldn't do it. Usyk came out strong first, you know, put that doubt in his mind. And that was that was that was a wrap. Yeah, I think it's an important point that you make there about. The fact that, obviously, the referee didn't start a count at all, and therefore Usyk took the time to, to stay down. And a lot of people were saying, no, no, no. At the time, they were saying, no, it should be a knockout because he stayed down. But obviously, I straight away thought, yeah, if if the referee is counting, he's getting back up. And it's, it's good that we didn't speak about that, but you, you're right on track with me there. Go on, Eddie. You keep it brief. <laughs> no, that's it. No, I was going to say 100%. He, if he would, if there was any danger of losing, he's getting up. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree fully. Um, it was it was kind of crazy. People taking it a little bit too far, saying Dubois definitely won the fight. He's the new champion of the world. He won by knockout. I thought, wow, slow that down. But anyway, leaving it brief, moving to the final card to mention. It took place at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tulsa, Oklahoma, USA. Over here, it was live on... I'm going to guess ESPN and also in the UK on Sky Sports. Let's start with the undercard. A few names on there. Bruce Carrington with a win, a unanimous decision over eight. He's now 9-0. and This victory was against Angel Contreras, who's now 13-7 and with two draws. Abdullah Mason, I think he's still only 19 years of age. He's moved to double-figure wins, 10-0, and though this time he went in the distance. He was eight KOs from nine wins. He's now... Uh, yeah, gone the distance for the second time in 10 fights. A unanimous decision against the very, very tough Cesar Villarraga, who's now 10-8 and eight with a draw. It was over six rounds there at lightweight. Uh, Jeremiah Milton as well, the heavyweight, moved to 11-0. and 0, A unanimous decision over eight rounds against another real tough guy, Craig Lewis, now 15-7 and seven with a draw. A big upset on the cards as well, Nico Ali Walsheddy. I don't know if you saw this. If you didn't, just keep mute. If you did, you can maybe say something I just don't want us to drag on too much but Nico Ali Walsh now eight and one he was coming off a draw last time out um hang on oh yeah that's sorry we we should do a little update on that actually Nico Ali Walsh was coming off a draw however um it was announced I think just last week in 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 the week uh build up to this fight that he had here on, on Saturday just gone against Sona Akale. Um, basically, long story short, his last fight, that draw against Danny Rosenberger, Rosenberger has actually tested positive for a banned substance. So that has been wiped off of his record now. It's gone down as a no contest there. So he's now, he's now um, or he was 8-0 again without the draw. It was a no contest. So anyway, he was undefeated whichever way you want to look at it. He got in there with Sona Akal, who was 7-1. and But upon inspection of his record, he hadn't even boxed anyone with a winning record at all, let alone beaten anyone with a winning record. And even worse than that, his last fight, he got in with a guy called Cameron Crow, who I think's from Vegas or something like that, and Cameron Crow actually knocked him out in six rounds. Cameron Crow's record was 19 wins, 27 losses, and three draws. He's not a very good fighter, and he doesn't bang many people out, okay? His knockout... Uh, percentage is 35%. That's not it's not the end of the world to be honest. But anyway, um, this guy Sona Akau, I had no thoughts of him upsetting Nico Ali Walsh at all, but he did. A majority decision over six rounds. Uh, the scorecards 58-56 times two, and then of course Steve Morrow 57-57. That's why it was a majority decision in favor of Sona Akau but that's a big spanner in the works for Nico Ali Walsh there a lot of people saying um, he was overhyped what a hype job and all these things um, I got into a little bit of a spat with someone on social media about that I don't really think he was overhyped I don't think they were saying I think to overhype someone you've got to say oh he'll go and beat him he'll go and beat him he'll go and beat him I just think he was the grandson of Muhammad Ali they signed him based on his surname We've seen it happen over here in the UK many times. Campbell Hatton, Connor Ben, Chris Eubank Jr. Um, it happens, you know. They sign people just based off their surname. It's a marketing strategy. But um, I don't think he was actually overhyped. I think that's the wrong word. Um, maybe he was a little bit 
a little bit worse than most people thought he was, but I don't think he was necessarily overhyped. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, moving up the card, also on the card, it was actually the first fight of the entire night, which was really interesting. Bakudir Jalalov, the Olympic gold medalist, now 13-0 with 13 KOs. It took him just one round to knock out Onoriodi Ewaremi who is now 20 and 3. It's a bit of a mouthful, his name. Um, he was a big puncher as well. I said it on last week's show. He either knocks you out or he gets knocked out. And, yeah, he got knocked out. I think he was down, I want to say three times, but it could have been two times. But, yeah, that's the third time he's been stopped. And, like I say, Jalilov got him out in just a round. Really impressive. Moving up the card once again, FA Jagbaredi, now at seven. Well, sorry, now 18 and 1. Um, a win. He won by disqualification in round four after repeated low blows from the heavy-punching, slick southpaw Zan Kosobutsky, who didn't look anything slick at all on Saturday night. He's now 19-1. and It was for the WBC International Heavyweight title. A real shock, actually, because he was the big favourite. The bookies expected him to knock a Jagbar out. Um, I think a Jagbar, honestly, is a little bit better than some people think he is i think eddie you've criticized him a little bit in the past before i actually think he's a bit better than maybe you think he is or whatever i think he's um if he's not a top 10 heavyweight he's certainly a top 15 heavyweight and there's a lot of good heavyweights out there um i actually think he's a good fighter but like i say Kosobutsky could not get going he couldn't seem to work out the distance i think a jagba um at times kind of swarmed him just in little bits, in little spells to keep him off balance, keep him uncomfortable, and did the right things, really, to frustrate him, and it led to these low blows, and he must have hit a Jagber in the nuts about, what was it, about four times, the referee had no choice in the end, um, so that was a weird way to lose your O. Um, so yeah, Jagba 18 and 1, and I will come to you in a moment, Eddie, I'm just moving to the main event, Jared Big Baby Anderson, 16 and 0, a TKO in round 5 against Andre Rodenko, now 35 and 7, um, it was for the WBC USA and WBO international heavyweight titles, Jared Anderson becomes just the second man to stop Andre Rodenko, although he has been stopped twice in his last three fights, so it definitely seems like he's at the end of his career. Um, he is the quickest man to have stopped him. He did it in round five, whereas the other guy stopped the guy in round six. Um, not too much to read into, really. Um, Jared Anderson, I think we said it on last week's show, Eddie, to be honest. He was always going to be too young, too fresh, too good, especially at this stage of his career where they both are. Um, we knew Rodenko was at the end. I said Huey Fury beat him eight years ago. Um, Jared Anderson, you know, there was a massive gap in age. Obviously much fresher. Um, and I was surprised as well because I didn't know this, but they had, what's his name, um, Rodenko listed at just six foot tall. He certainly looked a hell of a lot bigger than six foot tall. They must have that awfully wrong because he looked the same size as Jared Anderson. And Jared Anderson's listed at 6'4". However, Jared Anderson, to me, doesn't look 6'4". So I'm not entirely sure if I'm just seeing things or what. But anyway, the height the, the height seemed to be close, but apparently there was four inches in it. I definitely didn't see that. Um, but yeah, Jared Anderson, when he let his shots go in, in combinations, he looked really good. Um, but like I say, it was just a meaningless fight, really. I guess maybe a confidence booster coming off that 
that that um, shady performance against Charles Martin last time. Other than that, there was no real need for the fight. I was much looking forward to a Jagbar Kosobutsky over this main event. That was my main event. But yeah, no more really for me to say on it, Eddie. If you want to say anything about those fights on that card, there it is the final card. A Jagbar Kosobutsky, Jared Anderson, Andre Rodenko, um, and yeah, Nico Ali Walsh, if you saw any of that. Take it away, my friend. Yeah, I didn't really see much of the Nico Ali Walsh. I saw little clips of it. And, you know, I guess the guy was just, you know, busy and was, you know, being more active. And at the end of the day, you know, the name didn't, wasn't enough to keep him, keep him undefeated. So, unfortunately, he has to lose that fight. But if I was them, I'd go and try to get a return match as soon as possible, get this guy out of there if they can. Um, yeah, the only one that I actually had some viewing of was the uh, Jagba and uh, Kazuputsky one. And I don't know how, how sometimes, sometimes these guys keep their cool in a sense. Like, you know, this is, he was obviously doing it, you know, purposely, you know what I mean? I've never had anybody do anything like that to me in the ring. You know, it's always been real respectful for the most part. I mean, you know, you, you're fighting. I mean, you can't get any deeper than that, but to just, I just don't know how sometimes these guys keep their cool because, you know, I'm a extremely nice guy but when somebody's doing something deliberate to try to hurt you you know you gotta you, you know uh, that's when sometimes i step out of character i just turn to a different person i guess um it hasn't happened very much because i'm generally very very much in control of my emotions but that's just out of i think i would struggle and eventually lose my cool but i've never had anything like that happen to me in a fight and most of the time it's, it's respectful but i don't know what i would have done i just know that it probably wouldn't have been anything within the rules I'd have probably done the same thing back to him, you know, but uh, it just turns out that, I mean, he gets the win. Um, I think he was just probably frustrated, you know, it, it, you know, he probably wasn't able to get off, probably wasn't able to get his, 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 um, his game going and, you know, and that's the kind of thing that happens. But unfortunately for him, got that one next to his, next to his record now. So, you know, I guess uh, justice was served in that way. Um I didn't really see much. I didn't really see any of the big baby uh, fight at all. So I'm really not too too familiar with what happened there. I take your word for it, Joe. But uh, on to the next one. On to the next one for him. Yeah, hopefully it's uh, it's another quick turnaround because Jared only boxed a few weeks ago against Charles Martin and. He's boxed here against Rodenko. It was more like a sparring, se sparring session for him. Hopefully we see him out again before the year's out. Um, no real reason why we can't see him again in that time. But anyway, that brings the review part to a close. It's now time for me to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated cruiserweight knockout artist. It is, of course, Mr. Craig Parker. Craig, welcome to the show, my man. How you doing? I'm... Delightful to be on it. Hey, I'm I'm delighted to have you on, Craig, man. So uh, yeah, welcome on. Like I say, it's been a long time coming. Uh, you're 14 and 0, 14 KOs. But the one thing I think you're lacking is the publicity and maybe the following. I'm hoping we can change that in a small way here. I wanted you to open up to our listeners about how you first got into boxing, if you don't mind, Craig. If you can just briefly tell us your backstory. Where did it all begin for you, my man? It began for me on the south side of Chicago. Originally, I'm from Chicago. Um, had a friend that got into some trouble, and um, he had to do community service. And as he was doing community service, uh, you know, we hang out every day, and 
he asked me to come up there with him when he joined community service. And a guy asked me, did I want to get in the ring and spar? And at first I'm like, no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The guy Lee looked good, you know, um, it looked like he boxed before and everything like that. So, well, he came to me and started bribing me and my friends. I was like, yeah, man, you could do it. Get in there. So I got in there and tried it out. And um, the only thing I knew how to do was try to protect myself. So I was just throwing punches and trying not to get hit with punches, you know, even though I know I got hit with a lot of punches. But um, after that, the guy told me, like, uh, look like you can be a good boxer if you stick with it. And um, I believed in him and I just – believed in myself and that's the first time I ever heard that I can do something in my life you know so I trained every day trained every day and ended up doing good against him and then they started pinning me into tournaments and you know fights so it you know I just took it from there and Craig, that's really cool, man, because obviously you mentioned there, you go to a gym, you're tagging along with your friend, and all of a sudden an opportunity presents itself that you weren't really prepared for to jump in the ring. Um, that would scream that you were a confident kid, but I'm led to believe you wasn't really the most confident of kids. Tell me about that. Am I, am I right in saying that you also, like many other fighters, uh, went through a stage in your life where you were the victim of bullying? Yes, um, I always got bullied on and picked on. Is this that just was in my in every neighborhood I ever lived in, you know? I so I was always a quiet kid, and um, I wasn't that confident to just jumping in the ring with this guy, you know. It was, took him a lot of talking, so probably like two to three hours of talking to me to get me in there. So I was afraid, you know what I'm saying? So um, I think my fear is what you know um, made me feel like I could do this. You know what I'm saying? Because it was just, I always got bullied on and picked on and stuff like that. I, I was trying to stay away from any kind of fighting and anything that had to do with physical, you know, being in an abuse household. I just, physical thing was the least thing on my mind. So when I got in there and it's and it the first time somebody told me I could do something and I started believing in myself and, you know, he started believing in me and it just went from there. And Craig, you mentioned there about your household. Am I right in saying um, there's seven or eight of you? It's eight of us. Yeah, eight, me eight make siblings. eight. It's, it's seven, me make eight. Seven and you, so eight, eight, eight siblings there. Um, yeah. your, your mother passed in 2014. That was a, a real turning point for you. Yes. Um, that's when I, you know, I really looked over the bed and seen them seven faces that she said that were... Um, come to me if anything ever happened and um, I never think anything would ever happen to her because I'm like my you're gonna be here forever you know what I'm saying you're gonna see great great grandkids and we think about we we don't expect the person who's saying if something happened to me they're gonna look towards you we we don't look at that as like um, tomorrow you know what I'm saying but that's how I felt when it happened it was like a blink of an eye and it's happened and I was like you know, um, I got to make a change in my life. So I I left. I left Chicago. You left Chicago and headed for Vegas. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I left Chicago and headed to California. Then I went to Vegas. Um, not just when that happened, like a couple of years later, I just like, I took off. Yeah. And and you you mentioned as well you were you were sleeping on couches in that time you were working odd jobs in that time to make ends meet. What kind of jobs did you find yourself doing, Craig? 
I man, I couldn't believe I was like I was at checkers, you know, fast food restaurants, um, cleaning. I just was doing anything, you know, to make money to to try to survive. I knew the jobs I had couldn't pay for rent. So a lot of trainers and different people who um would talk to me and stuff like that would let me sleep on a couch and different things like that, you know, to help me out along the way, you know, because they seen something in me that I I would start to give up, you know, and I was and I would never give up. So I was giving out, meaning that I was like, is this really for me? You know, because time passing by, it, it don't seem like anybody interested in helping me, you know what I'm saying? And the people that was interested in helping me was the people that, um, you know, just for trainers and stuff like that. And they were trying to find managers and other people to want to invest. But it was like, like, you know, it was hard. So it was like for me, like, if I'm going down the right path or should I just, you know, just get out of it and just go back home and, you know, do a normal person, what a normal person do every day. But I just never gave up. That's why I called my team God's plan because I know he had a bigger purpose for me. And not just a bigger purpose for me, but the purpose for the people that's coming up who have to um, see and been through what I had to been through because I've been through a very poverty neighborhood and upbringing. Uh, that's amazing to hear all of that, Craig, man. I'm sure the listeners are going to really be interested in this. Um, obviously, you you stuck at boxing. Do you remember your first fight as an amateur? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I remember my first fight as an amateur, man. Man, it's like, you know, when you get used to just coming to the gym and just sparring, and then when he said, oh, man, we got a fight coming up, I said, a fight coming up? Like, oh, man, I, I, I didn't sign up for this. You know, I'm just just in confidence and coming in the gym and just sparring now, you know, and training. And uh, I had my first fight, and I won by, by KO. And um, it just was a, a, a good feeling. It was just a feeling that I was like, now people would know not to just run up on me and just do what they want to do, push me around and stuff like that. Even though I still, even though I still walked around with that type of fear, even knowing how to protect myself, it just, I just, I just, I think that just bring out the best of me. And yeah. you, you mentioned there to get a stoppage um, in your first fight as an amateur as well is is a pretty impressive thing. Which year was that, Craig? If you remember, um, I, I can't really tell you what year it was. That's fine. I, I really don't know. I That's don't fine. know. Do you remember like how many amateur fights you had in the end, or? Um, I probably had like twenty to twenty-three, I believe. Twenty twenty-three was mostly, you know, um, we were mostly doing like tournaments when we could, you know, because we didn't have so much funding for traveling and stuff like that. So the tournaments would probably give us like two or three, two days, or just like, you know, a few fights. So we get like two or three out of that and keep it moving. And, and Craig, you won a Golden Gloves, if I'm not mistaken. Which Golden Gloves was that? I won a Chicago Golden Gloves. Oh, the Chicago. Okay, yeah. so that's that's a tough yeah. state Golden Glove, by the way. Yeah, it was tough, man, and it was and it was it was very like um, it was tough, and it was just new to me. You know what I'm saying? It was just new to me, and I just I trained hard, and that's why I knew what hard work pays off. You know. And Craig, I wanted to ask as well: Have you managed to spar some some big names over the years, or, or have you not really had those opportunities? Well, um, I've been in the ring with a uh, a few people, um, like uh, well, I'm, I'm not gonna say 
spar spar we we just went a few rounds like with you know um bj florida just 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 um in and out people you know um people that was you know good good competitions and stuff like that and world champions and stuff like that um I think, any, any other? Yeah, I was in, um let me see. Not 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 too many, no. Not not too many. And I've been in the ring with great fighters. You yeah. know what I'm saying? All fighters that get in the ring and 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 you know, be on T V and, you know, showcase their talent. I, I believe every fighter's great in their own way. You know what I'm saying? They probably ain't got the biggest name, but they're great, you know. And Craig, who are you training under currently? And to be honest, um, I don't have nobody I'm training with currently. Okay, because I know, I know you spent some time, am I, am I right in saying you spent some time with Jesse Reed? Yeah, I, I trained with Jesse Reed. Uh, I trained with Murky Sosa. Um, I trained with a few trainers, and um, it, was, it was just a great experience, you know. Um, I trained with Jesse Reed, you know. I think Jesse Reed is the, the biggest trainer I ever trained with, and um he just he just spilled so much knowledge on me and just you know talked about so many great fights that he attended and you know and was a part of so many great training camps and you know just teaching me how to how to push things back to the basics you know it's like everything can be going fast and then you start learning new tricks but the the basics always play the biggest part in winning a fight yeah i've i've been lucky enough to meet Jesse in person when he came over here uh, to the UK a few years ago and um yeah. i remember having some some pretty long conversations with him um yeah he, he knows so much it's incredible um in september in september craig just uh, just next month in what's that a day or two from now you'll be well in the month of september you'll be celebrating your fifth year as a pro like i said at the sta- uh, at the start of the interview you've compiled this record 14 and 0 all 14 by a ko 12 of them in the first round only twice have you been into round 2 Talk me through yeah. some of these fights, if you can, Craig. Half of them, of course, have took place in Mexico. The other half in the States. Talk to me a little bit about these fights, man. I know there's not too much to say because you haven't gone more than two rounds per person. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I, I believe they were all great competitors. You know, all came out to do the same thing I was coming to do, and that was to win. And I just think what, you know, is, you know, all the hard work is done in the gym. You know, and I think I took, I just took every day like it was the, 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 the last day of training camp. And I just went hard, 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 hard. And I think just, you know, training so hard and being so focused and locked in on what you're doing when it went into the fight, it just, everything just came out so explosive, so fast, so quick. And sometimes, like I say, it, it, it's shocking to me, you know. And um, I just know that God is with me and, you know, helping me going through these fights. So I just give all the thanks to God because what I have been through and where I'm at now, it would never have been possible if you didn't have faith and hope. So that's how I look at it. 
And Craig, you do have your next fight penciled in. You'll be boxing September 9th in South Carolina against Antonio Brown. Uh, Brown's record is eight and three. You have yeah. uh, you have something in common with the guy. You've both never gone the distance. He's knocked out all eight, but he's been knocked out all three himself. You have three common opponents as well. You've knocked out, obviously, all three of them. He's knocked out two and got knocked out by the third one. Does that tell its own story in any way about how this fight will go? Um, no, uh, no, because I'm not another opponent and he, he's not another opponent that I fought. So no, I don't, I do not go off of what I won and, and who he lost against. I, I don't go off that. I just go off of how, how I have to adapt to what he bring into the ring on September the 9th and how he going to have to adapt to what I bring in the ring. And I just hope that, um, what I'm, what I'm going to do get off fast before he even think. So I'm just coming to try to be – I'm just coming to be victorious that night. And Antonio Brown, by the way, has, has weighed anywhere from 176 pounds to in his last fight back in April weighing 226. So that's a 50-pound increase there. What weight is this fight going to be at, my man? We're going to fight at um, 198. So it's going to be at cruiserweight because I'm, I'm, I'm staying at cruiserweight. And um, my goal is to get down to 175. So I'm going to stay at cruiserweight and work myself down to 175. So uh, hopefully he come in on weight, and I know he will because, you know, he wants this fight just like I want this fight. And um, I just know the best man is going to win tonight, and that's going to be me. And if it is to be you, do you think we're going to see you go into round three at least in this fight at all? <laughs> well, that's going to be all up to that night. My my goal is to not look for the knockout, just work my way into getting the victory to to getting my way I mean working to get the, the victory. That's that's all I know. And what is the goal, Craig? I know you're gonna say the same thing everyone says, the goal is to become a world champion. That's obviously every boxer's dream. But do you mm-hmm. have a pathway mapped out, a plan how to get a world title shot? Um the only reason I'm saying this is because um, obviously you're 14 and 0, 14 KOs looks unbelievable. Um, at this point in time, no real recognizable names. I think it's fair to say, um, there's, there's a comparison I can see with someone like a Christopher Lovejoy at this point in time. Do you know Christopher Lovejoy? I'm not, I'm... Basically, don't know too much. About right, Christopher Lovejoy basically was this guy, um, heavyweight, uh, six foot five from from Vegas. Actually, I think from Vegas or California somewhere. Um, he put together about twenty KOs in a row, all within two or three rounds. A lot of them going down in Mexico. Then all of a sudden, he's twenty and 0, 20 KOs. He gets a shot against a you know a, um, a credible fighter and ends up just getting knocked out in a couple of rounds. And it's like, whoa, this guy just put together this. Uh, really impressive looking record but obviously when the going got tough he actually got in with someone who can punch back you know he got found out um, but the thing is that can work for some guys they they can do what he did put together this great record and then end up with a pot of gold at the end of it I wanted to kind of see what path you want to take with your boxing career if you've even fought that far into the future well um, me personally Going far as I could, you know, and when that time comes, I will be in the bestest camp. I will have the best people around me, the most experienced people around me. So when that 
date come and I get to get that opportunity, there's no way I should not be victorious because I understand a lot of people, like you said, um, make this beautiful record and then at the end don't um, overcome the the fight that, you know, mean the most, you know. Um, I believe I'm just different. You know, I'm different from every other fighter, and I know every other fighter is different from me, you know, and uh, it's, it's all about who wanted the most at that at that time. And, you know, and I'm not saying that guy didn't want it the most because it's like he put a lot of work in to be 20 and 0, but I just feel like when that time comes, I'll be prepared. I'll be prepared to to go all in, go all out, go all out. Yeah, no. I just wanted to so, get your take on that. Um, obviously, yeah. everyone's path is different. I like the way that in a in a. I don't want that to come across offensive. I like the way your kind of journey into boxing transpired because you came from very humble beginnings. You you kind of you've 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 had it rough. You know what I'm saying? You're you're from a real dangerous place poverty stricken you've been on sofas on couches sleeping working odd jobs you've got the story the the makings of of a guy that can go far if they dedicate themselves truly to this sport which you seem to be doing so i just wanted to get your take on that that was all um yeah just just before we wrap things up we're kind of flying for everything i have for you craig um i wanted to ask if you've got any closing words just to the listeners if you just want to sign out with a little message before we let you go of course don't forget to drop your social media handles as well in that message this is Craig Parker the one and only and I'm coming to do what God gave me this gift to do and that's to do all I could do and inspire others to become something special and you know um, social media it's Craig Parker Boxing um, IG um so if you're looking for me and that's that's how you get in contact with me and um I'm just I'm just honored to to be a boxer, to be someone who overcomes so much in life and, and show people that because you down and because you're going through something doesn't mean you can't overcome whatever you're trying to overcome and get to. So I'm that guy who's going down that yellow brick road to Visit the visit the wins, you know. So I, I guess that's when I get to the world title shot. There so. we go. Fantastic message, my man. You're not on Twitter, by the way, are you? Um, no, I'm not on Twitter. Okay. Nope, I'm not on Twitter. Not on um, any of them other uh, platforms. Um, yeah, I'm just just right now the Instagram thing for me. I'm not too much a social media type of person, so I'm I'm, I'm learning though. I'm learning though. Hopefully, you know, I'm thinking, thinking one day at a time. Yeah, hopefully we see you on a couple of other social media platforms. But yeah, Instagram yeah. is obviously the biggest I think right now. Anyway, so, so I, like you say, and, and I and I like to get on them. Um, I was like, you know, I like for a, a big, big um time promoter. And when it, when them days come, I'll be I'll be ready. So Absolutely. I just want people to know that I'll be ready when them days come because I've been through. The, I've been down enough, you know. So. Like I said, I ain't afraid of height because I'm going to the top. So There we go. I love that, man. I love that. But, yeah, like I say, or like Craig said, Craig Parker Boxing on 
social media on Instagram. Um, listen, Craig, it's been a real pleasure having you on and hearing your story. Thank you so much for your time, and I just want to wish you the best of luck for September the 9th, my man. Cannot wait. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Um, one piece of news to mention here, just a fight that's been announced on the Canelo Charlo undercard. Obviously, the date for that is September 30th, live on Showtime pay-per-view, live at the T-Mobile Arena. Um, but yeah, on the undercard, friend of the show, former world champion Mario Barrios steps in with Yudenis Ugas for the interim welterweight title there. Um, I don't know, I'm not entirely sure which interim belt it is. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's a WBC interim or whatever. I'm going to have to look more into that. A little bit lazy from me. But also on that card as well, another good fight between Jesus Ramos and Erickson Lubin. Erickson Lubin, the underdog in that fight there, but should be a good one. Um, that is it though for the news, I believe. Let me just double check. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that is about it. Um, okay, moving on now to the preview part of the show. Let's start here with a card that goes down tomorrow night. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be live on... I'm guessing it's going to be Channel 5, though I'm not entirely sure. Um, but anyway, over here, two fights to mention. We're going to see Samuel Antwi, 16-2, getting in with Mason Cartwright, 19-3, with a draw. Good little fight there, to be honest, for the vacant British super welterweight title. Also on the card, the main event, Lyndon Arthur, 22-1. He steps in with Brian Nahau Suarez, who's 18-1. and one. It's for the vacant IBO World Light Heavyweight title. All the best, of course, to Lyndon Arthur. Um... Steps in with a guy who, like I say, in my opinion, is relatively unknown. Um, 18 and 1, 17 KOs, and the one loss was also by a KO. So he's only heard the final bell just one time, um, and that was back in 2018. He was knocked out by a guy who was 13 and 0 in 2022. Um, that guy is currently 16 and 0 with 15 KOs. So. Yeah, I would say this fight probably won't go to distance then, based on that. Lyndon Arthur obviously can bang and was, was knocked out in his sole defeat to Anthony Yard, though I don't expect this guy will have the, the, the same type of skill set as Anthony Yard. All the best to Lyndon. Moving now to this one. It also goes down tomorrow at the Brayhead Arena in Glasgow, Scotland. Over here we're going to see two... Well, I guess you could say two Scottish boxing legends, maybe. We're going to see Ricky Burns, 44-8 and eight, with a draw. It's over 12 rounds, actually. No belt on the line. I think there's a lot of pride on the line, though, so they don't really need a belt. But he steps in with Willie Limond, who, yeah, people will remember his fights, his spirited efforts, mainly, because most of his fights, you know, his big fights, he lost. He lost to Amir Khan, lost to Eric Morales, Anthony Crawler, Alex Arthur as well, right back in 2003 for the British title. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking looking at Willie Lemon now, I mean, I'm not entirely sure how old the guy is. He's got to be, he's got to be in his 40s, I'm sure. Probably, probably about 45, I'd say. Um, but yeah, you know. His last fight was in 2022. He got a TKO against a guy who was 3-6 and six with two draws. He hasn't beaten a guy with a winning record since he beat Curtis Woodhouse in 2014. Uh, Ricky Burns, obviously, we know, operated at a much higher level, really. Much better wins on his, on his record and stuff. But 
um, has been very inactive as well. His 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 last fight was in 2021, a unanimous decision over a guy who was 20 26 and nine with a draw. His last meaningful fight, he lost to Lee Selby, majority decision. Both guys have only had one fight period in the last like four years. So yeah, it's just a farewell kind of fight. Um, Ricky Burns should win this fight, though. God. Uh, moving now to the Manchester Arena in Manchester, Lancashire, United Kingdom. It's going to be live on Sky Sports Box Office. Let's start with the undercard. Um, going to start here with the Olympic gold medalist, Lauren Price, who didn't have an opponent until about, I think it was probably today, to be honest, actually. Uh, she actually gets in with a tough a tough girl. I haven't seen her fight, but looking at her record, she's... She's she's number nine in the world with box rec, which doesn't mean too much. But she's eighteen and one as a pro. She's got ten KOs. She's from Zambia, um, nicknamed the Black Diamond. She's thirty-two years of age. The one loss was to Savannah Marshall in two rounds. I don't remember that fight to be totally honest with you. But she lost to Savannah in two rounds. Other than that, she's she's you know she's been beating these girls, knocking them out most of the time. So I think that's a that's a fair step up there for Lauren Price in just her fifth fight. She's currently four and zero. Also on the card, we're going to see Florian Marku twelve and zero with a draw. He steps in with Dylan Moran, who is eighteen and one. Um, yeah, I mean, good fight again. I think. Um, Marku's so kind of small for the weight. He's only five foot eight and a and a half or something like that. To be a welterweight, he's kind of one of the smaller guys. Once again, giving away a few inches in height here to Dylan Moran, who I don't think's a fantastic fighter. You know what I'm saying? He, he he did lose to a guy who was two and two with a draw, but since then he's kind of picked it up a little bit. Good win last time out. However, Florian Marku, who at times has looked very limited, has actually put together a decent little run recently. Um, the draw against Jamie Stewart didn't look too good back in 2020, but the way he took apart Chris Jenkins was quite impressive, especially the fact that right after that, Chris Jenkins went 10 rounds with uh, Tyrone McKenna, and then he went 9 rounds with Cyrus Patterson. So I think that was quite a statement there from Florian Marku. He did it quicker than anyone else ever had done. So that's a little reminder to say perhaps he is something special. Perhaps he's not overhyped. We'll have to wait and see, but could be a tough fight. I don't know. I haven't seen much of this guy here, but seems confident. And um, and obviously that height, that height advantage, I think he's a decent boxer. Uh, moving up the card once again, uh, we're going to see Frankie Stringer. He is 5-0. and He's in a six-rounder against Christian Lopez Flores, who's 14-27 and with two draws. Um... Actually, no, there's a last-minute opponent change on that. He gets in with Engel Gomez, who's 8-15 and 15 with a draw. Engel Gomez been stopped four times in his 15 losses, including two back-to-back -back stoppages in his last two fights that both took place in the late part of 2022. So he's been out the ring for almost a year. Um, yeah, will Frankie Stringer get his first knockout? We shall see. Um, I think that's the only important question, really. Um, also on the card, I'm going to come to you, Eddie. Fraser Clark, 7-0. He gets in with friend of the show, friend of yours, Dave Allen, 21-5, with two draws. Dave Allen was really, really desperate to get a big fight again. Um, he's been kind of asking for this for quite a while. It looked like he might fight Fabio Wardley, who I think has put together the, the longest um, streak of knockouts in British boxing at the moment. Um, I didn't want that fight for him at all. He gets in with Fraser Clark, who maybe isn't quite the one-punch puncher, but 
you know, this guy has a deep, deep pedigree as an amateur and has, has not really put a foot wrong as a pro. Didn't look fantastic last time out, but that was against Marius Wack, one of the toughest guys in the game. Other than that, you know, he's he's been doing the business. And as for Dave Allen, you know, he's been quite inactive. His last meaningful fight was against David Price four years ago. He lost that fight. Since then, he's put together four wins in a row, all by TKO or KO within three rounds. Three of the opponents, though, have had losing records. The only guy that he's actually beaten with a winning record in recent years was Dorian Darch, a man that you stepped in the ring with. But anyways, I know you're obviously pulling for Dave Allen to win this fight, Eddie, but realistically, as much as I'd like to see it, I can't see it happening. But what are your thoughts on the fight anyway? Uh... You know, obviously, we know I'd like to see Dave take the win here. It's one of my guys for, uh, for a while now. Um, tough guy. Been in with uh, some interesting characters. <laughs> He's uh, he had actually more of a career than, than most would, you know, expect him coming from, I guess, where he's coming from. Nobody's talked about him early on. You know what I mean? Much The way I met him was kind of funny. You know what I mean? Uh, on, a, on a, I was, I think we were, we were both on an undercard. I forget who's undercard. Actually, yeah, who, I forget who's undercard it was at the time. Uh, but it was like my first fight over there. Uh, really good guy. Trained with him for for a good bit of time as well. Tough. Has the has more ability than he shows most of the time. Most of the time he just wants to get in there and and pound on guys. You know what I mean? Uses strength and size and things like that. Um, I don't. I, I just. I. I don't think he's. You know. I mean. I'm hoping. I'm pulling for him. I don't know too much. I haven't seen some. You know. A whole whole lot of Fraser Fraser Clark. But. Um, you know. I've heard good things at this point. Dave's career. You know. I'm not 100 percent sure what's going to come out of it for him. So. Uh, I'm picking Dave, but that's because I'm 100 percent biased. I don't want to see him win. So that's what I'm going to be hoping for. Yeah, all the best to Dave, like I say. Um, also on the card, we're going to see friend of the show, former world champion Michaela Mayer. She steps in the ring once again on uh, on UK shores. She's 18-1. and one. I believe this fight actually goes down at super lightweight, so I believe that'll be the first fight she's had at that weight. I don't know if that's just... Um, I don't know, because the opponent wasn't going to make 135, but I think she wants to be at 135, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, she's up at 140 here. She gets in with a lady called Sylvia Bartot, who is 11-2 with a draw um, from Italy. Lost her last fight by split decision, and she was TKO'd in her other loss to a lady I haven't heard of. Um, you know, levels-wise, Michaela Mayer should win this one. Michaela Mayer, I think, um, is, a, is a decent puncher, to be honest with you got five KOs from 18 wins. I wouldn't be surprised if she got this lady out of there. It's over 10 twos, but again, I also wouldn't be surprised if she wins on points. She's going to win this fight, though. I don't really think she's going to struggle with this lady here. Um, also on the card, we're going to see Adam Azim, 8-0. and He gets in with Aram Fanian, who is 23-1 with five KOs. Um, this guy from Ukraine, again, I, I've never heard of this guy. I keep saying that. It seems like on this show, I'm, I'm just saying I, I haven't heard of him, haven't heard of her. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know much about the guy. Look for his record. I, I notice a couple of names, like he beat Timo Schwarzkopf. 
Um, beat him on points. Um, he lost the fight back in 2018 to, a, again, a guy I've, I've never heard of. Um, yeah, he's testing my boxing knowledge here, to be honest with you, this guy. But, yeah, he steps in with Adam Azim, who, you know, some say is going right to the top, despite not looking great last time out when he stepped in with Santos Reyes. That was, a, that was a seven months ago now. So he returns to the ring. Hopefully he can put on a statement win here and and and, and beat this guy. Um, I don't think he will lose or nothing like that. I think he, he wins. Um, also on the card, another really good domestic fight. We're going to see Mark Heffron, 29-2 with a draw, stepping in with... Little Leavers meet Cleaver, Mr. Jack Cullen, 21-4 and with a draw. It's for the British super middleweight title. It's over 12 rounds. Uh, Jack Cullen last time out getting stopped by Diego Pacheco. I don't think we got to see how good or bad Cullen is in that fight, really, because Pacheco just set about him and was always going to get him out of there. Um, he's been matched so tough, Jack Cullen, and I actually think he's better than his record suggests. Not that his record suggests he's that bad, but he's been thrown in in all these fights. I've said it before, they throw him in these fights to lose. And I'm I'm, ju I'm just going to, you know, run through a couple of those those fights he's been thrown in to lose. Stepped in there with John Harding Jr., took his O. Stepped in there with Felix Cash, got knocked out. Stepped in there with Zach Chelly, got a draw. Chucked in there with um, John Doherty, took his O. Chucked in there with Avni Yildirim, beat him as well. That was a really good win. And then his last three fights, again, he's been chucked in. He's been chucked in with two undefeated fighters, and he's been TKO'd in both those fights. But they've probably been at higher than domestic level. So he gets in with Mark Heffron. Like I say, Mark Heffron, I, I, I'm kind of struggling to know what level he's at, to be totally honest with you. Because both his losses have come to Liam Williams and Denzel Bentley. I don't know what kind of level you, you might think they are. I don't know if you're going to say that Liam Williams is... is um, is, is world title level or not. I don't think he probably is at the moment or hasn't shown that, just underneath that. And as for Denzel Bentley, um, again, you know, British British title level for sure. Do you put him higher than that? I'm not entirely sure. So it's hard to kind of read into Mark Heffron to know what level he's at. But having said that, I was at his fight against Lennox Clark and I thought Lennox Clark had a real chance in that fight and he absolutely battered him so I was really really uh, you know impressed with that and that was only just over a year ago now and he's he's put together a decent little run so it's a good fight um, it's a really good fight I, I think Jack Cullen has a chance in this fight, has a bigger chance than most people would give him, however I still have to ride with Heffron, he has got really heavy hands and yeah, I can see him winning the fight. But what I will say is that I think this fight will go probably into the second half of the fight. I wouldn't be surprised with a late stoppage with from Mark Heffron. And yeah, moving to the main event, I'm going to come to you first, Eddie. Liam Smith, 33 and 3 with a draw. It's over 12 rounds, a rematch, an instant rematch with Chris Eubank Jr., 32 and 3. Um, fantastic fight, the first one, obviously. Um, so much excitement here. I don't know if it's, it's probably not the same level out there in the US. Most of you guys probably don't care too much. But obviously, Eubank Jr., such a big profile. His father himself, the arrogance, the cockiness, the fighting style, everything. He gets in with Liam Smith, who most people thought uh, would lose to Chris Eubank Jr. Um, I think they were expecting him to actually knock Smith out. 
I couldn't ever see that happening. He's an extremely tough guy, Liam Smith. But anyway, got in there as the underdog in the first fight. Won by stoppage in that um, in that fourth round. And he is the favorite in the rematch, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I saw a little... I, I said I was going to come to you first, but I feel like I'm going to myself first. But I watched the Gloves Are Off episode um, episode. Uh, two or whatever it was called, you know, that for the rematch between Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith, and they sat down and um, they do that kind of interview, and Johnny Nelson's in the middle throwing questions at both guys on a round table, and um, it just seems to me that Liam Smith has just got Eubank's number, and I mean that like mentally, he he's just got him. Um, you know, I, I found myself feeling a little bit sorry for. Chris Eubank Jr. for the first time in my entire life because in that little sit down there for me he he just didn't seem like his old self because he didn't have that layer of um, cockiness that layer of kind of um, arrogance it was removed and I actually like the guy underneath those layers to be honest with you but he didn't look his old self there against Liam Smith in that little sit down and Liam Smith just had his number it was like a it was like a, a father speaking to his son at times, you know. I don't mean that disrespectfully to Eubank Jr., but yeah, it just seemed to me like Liam Smith has just got his number, and that's just that. He is his kryptonite. We shall see, of course, on the night. A lot of people are saying that maybe the punch was a fluke. Boy, oh boy, did it have him hurt. The referee did the right thing to stop that fight, but can he repeat it again, Eddie? Who do you favor? How do you see it going? Yeah, that's interesting what you said about uh, about the sit down he had. I didn't I didn't get a chance to see it, but just listening to what you said, it's, to me it seems like he's taking the more humble route this time. You know what I mean? Kind of doing it so you don't expect as much, but you get more type thing. Is I mean, just you know, just my initial thoughts on what you said about the sit down. I didn't hear it, but um, and maybe. You know, at this point, he's starting to see it's, you know, he needs to have a little more humility about how he, how he approaches things, especially with boxing. You never, you know, it's the theater of the unexpected. Anything can happen. So, you know, everyone is a threat. And like you said, most people over there figured that Eubank would be, you know, that much above him. He would be able to stop him at this point in his career and all of that, even though you disagreed because, you know, you just you, you figured that uh, Liam Smith had much more which, you know, I agree, he has much more than a lot of people would have thought. But um, as far as how the matchup went, I mean, I thought Eubank was doing a pretty decent job in the beginning. You know, some of the things he was doing was, you know, keep it, um, keeping Liam Swift off, kind of off, off balance a little bit at times. But then as the fight won, he got a little bit, you know, more competitive. Uh, and obviously he caught him with the shot. And it was a hell of a shot. <laughs> Had him going pretty pretty bad can it happen again like that i mean it's still possible you know liam smith obviously obviously has more than most did initially think uh you know in the way of you know it was you know in a way of skill and power and just uh ability overall in general so um looking forward to it again you know what i mean I, that wasn't something that and like you said here here in the states guys wasn't really talking about it much or whatever but I initially didn't have really too much interest in the fight, figuring that Eubank was going to win. And, you know, even though I knew Liam Smith and I know the Smith family and all, they're, uh, they're you know, they're good fighters. You know, they're they're good fighters from top to bottom. But 
uh, I still thought that, you know, Eubank, you know, maybe I was drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit about Eubank a little bit more than I probably should have and not given uh, William Smith enough of a, you know, a chance in the fight. You know what I mean? But now, you know, it's a little bit of a different story. I still think, you know, overall ability and, and explosiveness and all of that, not saying he's a huge puncher, but I still think Eubank should be able to do it. But, hey, Styles make fights. And as you've seen with the first fight, Liam Smith is not trying to back down. He's obviously got a lot in the tank. He's in good form. You know, obviously considering the last fight they had and his previous few. Um, yeah, uh, it's, I still think it's going to be inter- interesting. Um, I could see why they went over and started to favor Liam Smith opposed to, uh, you know, he obviously stopped him in the first fight. So, But I think it's a little more than that. I think the style could be a bit of a problem for him. And he's going to have to be on his A game, A-plus game, to come out on top for this next one. Yeah, just just when you were talking there, I was just looking at the numbers on on the betting site there, and um, Liam Smith to win by a stoppage within rounds one to six, like he did in the first fight, is five and a half to one. Round seven to twelve is three to one, and by decision is three to one. I think you can sort of take your pick on any of those three. Um, I I think he wins the fight, you know on by one of those methods. I don't think Eubank wins this fight. I just think, like I say, I really believe that Liam Smith's got his number in and outside of the ring, it seemed to me. Um, Yeah, you know, obviously we only saw four rounds. Eubank had quite a bright start, but, you know, it's not a four-round fight. It's a 12-round fight. And I think as the fight wears on, naturally, I think Liam Smith will start coming into it anyway. And I just think, yeah, he's he's just got too much for Eubank. He's, He's too clever for him. And, um, yeah, that's my opinion anyway, but we we shall see how it plays out. Not long to go now. Really, really looking forward to it. I think we've been spoiled as boxing fans. So it just seems to be big fight after big fight, weekend after weekend. Um, and if there's not a big fight, there's a fight on always that I'm really looking forward to just as a hardcore point of view. So been really lucky this year. But anyway, that brings the preview part to a close. In part one, we did the review part. Then we welcomed our special guest, Mr. Craig Parker. 14-0, 14 KOs, 12 in the first round, 2 in round 2. He's banging everyone out early. We brought you him. And then in part two, we did the news. It was really brief. And then we've just wrapped up the preview part there. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 411 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout-out to this week's special guest, the undefeated cruiserweight knockout artist, Mr. Craig Parker. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in. That's about everything, though, from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again same time next week.